Good morning, Central Peninsula Gardeners. I'm happy to have you here on Growing a Greener Kenai. Uh, boy, this is a glorious morning, isn't it? Uh, we needed a little break. Uh, anybody has any calling questions or just talk gardening, you can give me a call at 907-283-8414. If you want to pop me an email, uh, give me a give me a uh, email at uh, Growing a Greener Kenai at kdll.org. Well, welcome. And, boy, we've got a lot to do in the garden now, don't we, folks? Uh, hopefully this weather will last for us a little bit, and I'm not sure about you folks, but I, I live uh, over off of uh, Kalifornsky Beach Road, kind of over by Cook Inlet Academy, and we had a hard, hard frost this morning. So that, uh, that is definitely a sign for me in my neighborhood, and I know some other folks locally have had they have had some frost already, but I'll tell you what, I, uh, this, is, this, I think, is our first one. Uh, if we had some other ones, I was unaware of them. But, boy, this was a good hard one this morning. So I'm going to go out when I get off. Uh, when we're done with the show, I'm going to head out to my garden, and I'm going to double-check and see how my leeks are doing, how my carrots are doing. And because everything – and, I, you know, I never have really paid that much attention uh, but but everything I've read says that those items get better with a little bit of a frost. That certain items will they'll sweeten up a little bit. So I'm I'm giving it a try. So I I held off on my leeks. I've held off on a bunch of carrots. So I'm going to check some out and uh, see if I can really tell the difference at all. I've harvested a few carrots, and we'll uh, I'll see I'll see if that really. If, there, if I can tell a difference or not. So uh, maybe some of you folks do that. Maybe some of you don't. I don't know. But uh, it's always worth a try to try something new. We're uh, looking at some pretty good weather today. Uh, I'm still been working on, especially with this first frost, I'm glad I did it here just a couple of days ago. I finished winterizing my water distribution system in my greenhouse and my garden. And I told you folks before, what I do is I get my air compressor, blow all the water out and then I'll usually let it sit for a day then I blow the water out again because there's a little that'll always set in a low spot open up all the I open up all the the faucets and blow everything out and then I pour a little bit of that pink RV antifreeze in the system at the head of the system because I've just got mine set up where it comes out of the ground and goes up to one of the hose bibs on the side of the house and that's what provides water to my uh, greenhouse and garden every year and recently I'm going to be interested in next year we recently got a new water softener in our house and for the last number of years we've had softened water go to our garden and it uh, you know and it's been okay but we've had a new water softener put in here um, a month or so ago and I had the plumbers actually bypass the water softener so we've getting raw well water for the garden now it's not going through the softener because you know those water softeners recharge the the resin bed doing a backwash with salt and there's a certain amount of salt in your water so i got that uh i got that fixed and i and i had done that at my old house in sterling years ago and had unsoftened water going to my greenhouse. So, uh, but this is the first time I've done it. This this was our sixth year in this house, and I just did it this last summer. So I'm going to be interested in seeing next summer to see if that really does anything. And we'll uh, I'll give I'll give it a try and see. It can't hurt. Plus, it'll save me on buying salt uh, to fill up my my softener with. So, well, I'm assuming that. Assuming, assuming, I'm assuming that everyone is really working on winterizing your gardens. And one of the things I've told you folks in the past that I've done, and the rain has really kind of put a, a monkey wrench in this, is I like to collect leaves for mixing with my, for the brown part of my compost piles the next summer. So in some of these windows we've had, and if it stays like this, the sun comes out, I'll be collecting some more leaves this afternoon sometime. No, excuse me. And I use my riding lawnmower with the bag on it. So in some of these windows of good weather, I'll wait 
till the end of the day so stuff has kind of a chance to dry out and I start sucking up leaves. It's leaf sucking season, folks, and it's time to get a pile of leaves so you can make start making some good compost next next summer and that's the as I've said before, those dried leaves are the browns is the brown portion of the ratio of making your compost. So anyway, I've got a really big pile now uh, and I keep it covered with a tarp or a piece of plastic or something uh, to keep the snow off of them and com- and uh, uh, get getting them wet. I like to try and keep them as dry as possible. Uh, since they've been a little bit wet here lately, I go out there with uh, my pitchfork and I'll take the cover off and I'll just flip them up and down and up and down a little bit to help them dry a little bit. So I'll be getting some more of those and uh, it, it is so easy to get those there everywhere. And I've said before, uh, my wife and uh, some of the neighbors get to wondering about me because uh, I drive up and down the street with my riding mower with the bag on it and I just start sucking up all the leaves. In fact, I got irritated the other day because the dadgum, uh, the street guys with the street cleaning machine, and I think our guys in Soldotna do a fantastic job of taking care of the streets. But it was a nice day. Here comes the street cleaner going up and down the street the guy took all my leaves. So, but trust me, there's plenty out there, uh, and there's a ton out again. So anyway, I do that. Uh, I'm pretty well. I'm pretty well done winterizing, except for harvesting a few things. Like I said, the leeks and the uh, the carrots is about it that I have in my greenhouse. I pulled all my tomato plants quite a while back I remember telling everyone and I had them hanging upside down the plants hanging upside down in the greenhouse with tomatoes on them and they've slowly been ripening but with this frost this morning that means it's getting pretty chilly and I'd hate for my tomatoes to freeze out there so I'm going to pick all those this afternoon to get them in the house and we've got tomatoes spread out in our utility room and uh, they're they're doing pretty well. And, uh, and then that'll pretty much be it. I did go ahead, all my raised beds outdoors. I know I mentioned this to you folks before too, is last year I didn't cover my beds for the, for the winter. And this growing season I had, oh, I had so many weeds uh, more than any other year in my beds. And for, for years I put a piece of clear plastic on my beds, and you know, I've, I've got box raised box beds, as I've said before, and I weigh them down, and I I put them back on again. You know, I I know some of uh, folks, a lot of folks don't do this, and I don't know if it made any difference, but I'll tell you what, I really had a lot more weeds in my raised bed this year. It's a lot more work to try to try to fight them. So anyway, I covered my beds again. I got some. Uh, manure and uh, some of my compost in there so my beds are ready to go for next year and my theory behind putting the clear plastic over the beds is whenever the snow melts in the spring the snow starts melting and I I will go off if it's really sunny days and I'll push the, a lot of the snow off of that let it melt and then my theory is that clear plastic acts as almost like a mini greenhouse effect and that sun gets to shine through, and it starts warming the soil better. Now, some people will say to use black plastic. The Everything I've read about it, and it's whatever you like to do. If black plastic works for you, I mean, by all means, use black plastic. But my theory behind that is black plastic, and from what I've read, black plastic actually needs to be touching the soil to transfer the heat into the soil. So the, the sun heats up the plastic, and then the pla- the 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 heat transfers into the soil. So I'm thinking, why not put clear plastic over it and have it turn into a mini greenhouse and the sun will shine through, it'll hit right on the soil and that'll warm the soil up. So anyway, that's, that's what I do. And I've, I've read it both ways. So it's kind of whatever, uh, it's kind of whatever you like doing. Like I said, what works for you, the, the perfect garden is the garden, the way you like it. And, uh, that's, uh, that's how you need to do it. Uh, that if you've been successful in, go ahead and do it that way. That's uh, that's just the way it works in gardening. So we uh, we're winterizing still. I'm uh, 
getting ready to move my one compost pile that I've been working on all summer, and I will actually keep it covered. I'll put a tarp on it because uh, I'm. I still think that weed seeds are flying around in the winter time from some of the plant from from the wind. I cover my compost pile and and my spare soil pile. Uh, those always get covered with a tarp or a, or clear plastic too, and uh, I, I'm I don't know. Like I said, I'm just convinced that that helps to keep the weeds down the next year when you go to when you go to use and everything. So, well, I was assuming that everybody is harvesting right now. Uh, any boy, we ought to be harvesting a, a little bit of everything. There's not a whole lot that's going to be maintained out there if some of you folks are having success with brussels sprouts those things can survive frost some of the cold crops survive crops uh, or i'm sorry uh, survive frost and uh, there again if uh, we've got so many microclimates down here on the peninsula like i said some folks it's gosh what do we have in uh, july or august early august we had uh, some of the low spots at 32 and we had frost uh, in july late july you know so so don't uh, it's it's so microclimaty around here you've got to do your work based on your particular area uh, literally and and i think i've said this before too when i lived in sterling we lived down in the river bottom on the Kenai. Now we weren't on the river; we were one lot back from the river. But literally in the in the spring, the the uh, trees down there and the plants down right next to the river. It was so much colder there that just a couple of hundred feet of elevation, we go up to the Sterling Highway, and those trees would be leafed out, green, looking beautiful. We still had bare trees and the river bottom on our property. So just that far away, a mile away, was two different growing climates. So that's why you have to uh, keep some records and uh, keep, keep your journal and plant what works for you. Talk to other gardeners that live in the river bottom or up high, and uh, that'll help you out a lot too. So... Uh, so anyway, like I said, I'm going to take my tomatoes out, and then I'm I'm pretty well finished. I am I am pretty well finished uh, with the garden this year. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm doing my micro tomatoes in the house. That'll be good. Uh, I've been we've been storing stuff. Like I said, my my wife gave me the ultimatum of no more than. One or two zucchini plants next year. I had six of them, and we had zucchinis coming out our nose. We couldn't give them away. We couldn't throw them away. We took some to the food bank. We had so many zucchini and, and different kinds of squash uh, that some of them wound up going to the compost pile. And uh, I hate to I hate to do that, but that's just one of the things that happens sometimes. And I know I've mentioned this before, and some of the times I I. Uh, I, I mentioned the same thing uh, more than once, but some of this stuff is so funny. Back in the Midwest, you know, you'd go to work. Everybody gardened back there in uh, central Missouri, southwest Missouri. You'd go to work. Everybody had their garden. And I used to take paper bags, you know, just a brown paper bag full of veggies. And you'd just put them on random roofs of a car uh, at, when you would come into work. Uh, and I worked at the hospital then, so I... I uh, came in at uh, 2.30, and you would put it on the cars of the people you knew were on day shift and that they would get them, and they wouldn't be sitting on top of their car for eight or nine hours. Well, I'd do that, and everybody did that. You'd look over the parking lot, and there's all these cars just with brown paper bags on top of them. So I'd take my stuff, and I'd put them on cars, that the people I knew and people I didn't know, and then I'd come out from work. I'd have a bag of vegetables on my roof. So that's how much that's how much everybody would want to pass out their food, and our friends used to leave a bag of groceries or uh, vegetables for their mailman. Well, one time their mailman left a note in their mailbox, and it just said, "Please, no more zucchini," you know. So, so yeah, that's just uh, that's just a common a common thing that happens. Uh, especially back in the Midwest. I haven't seen that much up here, but, but one of the nice things up here is people do tend to share their harvest and help take care of each other with that. 
So, uh, well, what uh, what do we have going on in the garden right now, though? What what are we doing for next year? And when I say that, uh, we uh, we have uh, it's time to start planting some fall bulbs, and I'm talking more flowers. Uh, we all know we all do our garlic at this time of year and it's getting pretty close to time to plant garlic and I mentioned in a show before that I use the method of of soaking my cloves in a little bit of vodka and that sterilizes them and this is on a recommendation from one of the garlic growers uh, that you can get get your garlic from Uh, now I got all my garlic local this year and you put it in the vodka for a little while. It's sterilized. You only need to leave them there 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then you put it in a mix, like in a gallon of water. You put a little kelp seaweed in it, the, the mix, uh, some a few, a few other little items and it, uh, nutrients. Let them soak for half an hour. And that is supposed to give a little jump start to your garlic bulbs. And I mentioned earlier, I've got two separate spots set up to plant my garlic this year. So on half the bulbs, I'm going to do this soaking method, this soaking in nutrients method. And then on the other bed, I'm going to do nothing and see if it really works or if it, if it helps at all. Plant them at the same time, do everything the same, except I'm going to do the soaking for one part of them and no soaking for the next try and keep some good records and see if it's worthwhile doing if it's not worthwhile doing uh, i don't know if i'll i don't know if i'll do it again so i've I've got to do that experience experiment rather so but other bulbs that we plant now and i know some of our gardeners they are planting already Uh, like uh, i know a friend of mine sharon german she has already planted crocus but you can now about just about any time you can plant the alliums, uh, tulips, crocus, uh, let me think, uh, glory of the snow daffodils, daylilies, uh, uh, Siberian iris, uh, bearded iris, snowdrops. And that's, that's the time. Different folks. Uh, well, well, one of the things I want to say, too, is those plants actually do better. And I tend to do this, too, is... They do better with the nutrients under the bulb. Now you can, you know, you put you put everything up on the surface, and the nutrients will go down through the soil and get down there. But I've had better luck with digging out when I'm planting new bulbs. You dig out and you put a little compost in there. I don't like to use manure underneath them, but you put a little compost. Uh, you could put a little, maybe a little 832.16 under there and mix it in, and then set your bulbs on that, and then run them up. Different foods of thought on how deep to plant them. Uh, you know, I've dependent. You need to read the directions on the the bulbs you get. Some of them say plant them two inches below the ground. Some of them say plant two times the height of the bulb, four times the height of the bulb. So. That's just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, check the internet, check the the bag that they come in and the directions that it says. And I've had good luck both ways of buying good bulbs and actually buying the big box store bulbs that are pretty inexpensive. I've had real good luck with those. And it just depends on what you want to do, how much you want to spend. But I... Like I said, I bought good bulbs, and I bought the big box bag, bag where for eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine you get thirty five bulbs of some, especially uh, daffodils, and they have they have worked pretty good for me. So uh, so it just depends on what you what you wanna what you wanna give a try with. So uh, I planted last year the first time uh, I ever planted was the some of the alliums with that big blue flower on the top. Those are really pretty. I had fun growing those. Uh, but uh, lilies, crocus, the alliums are are a lot of fun. They're 
just a unique flower. And I didn't get to it this year, but I'm hoping to next year. I'm I'm hoping to get out with uh, and learn again from Bobby out of Jackson Gardens. I'm hoping to, to learn the schedule of planting so you've got flowers all year long through the summer. And I was out at Bobby's, and, I, and I, she took me on her tour of all her plants. And I tell you, it was so neat getting out there. And the plants that, like the some of the uh, daffodils and the tulips, they get up, they come up early, the croak, they come up, and they're gorgeous. They're beautiful. But then all you have is greenery. Well, there are certain plants that will continue to flower in the middle of summer and late summer and getting into fall where you've always got flowers in there. Now, I know some of you well-experienced gardeners, uh, Marsha uh, Kardatsky, she's, uh, she's a wonderful flower grower, and some of, our other, uh, some of our other gardeners are just so good at that. But I need to learn a little bit more about that. Like I've said before, my wife tends to mess with the flowers, and I tend to stay with, with vegetables. But I'm trying to learn a little bit more about the flowers. But speaking of the flowers, some of the other flowers we, we like to plant uh, to get in there, that some of them really, they, they work, but they won't, really handle, they won't really handle going through a winter underground here. And one of the big ones are, are dahlias. The, the dahlias, I've tried leaving dahlias in the ground before, and they've just never come back. So what we do, we grow all our dahlias in a container. And this year, now I have a friend of mine that does it different, but this year, or last year, we left some in the containers, put them in our garage, we let them dry, just stay in there. We don't water it all year. And then in the spring, we start hitting them with a little bit of water. And then sure enough, they come back. Then we move the containers back outdoors. That worked pretty good. And that's what we did with all our dahlias this year. We grew them all in containers. They're all cut back and they're all in the garage now waiting, waiting for spring. But if you're getting new bulbs, you know, uh, you can, oh, I'd, I'd say if you get those going maybe six weeks to eight weeks before it's time to put them outside, that'll that'll get you going a little bit earlier uh, where your where some of your plants your flowers aren't taking forever to come up and to get flowers on them and what i've done in the past and been very successful with with uh, when i did buy dahlia tubers was put them i use a one gallon zipper bag that you you know store food in in the freezer and i put my soil in there my starting soil in there and then I put the dahlia tuber in that, cover it up, and I don't poke holes in it for drainage, but I water it, but I water it just really lightly so it doesn't drown the bulb. Uh, and I do this mainly to keep from making such a mess on the table that I'm planting in, planting on, planting everything on. So I get that, it'll set up flat, and then the next thing you know, you've got the shoots coming up, and the secret is just don't overwater. Man, I've had I've had a table full of zipper bags with dahlias coming up in them. I've given them to friends. Uh, my dentist likes to grow dahlias. I gave him one, and I and I lost the name of the dahlia I gave him. He propagated and kept it going, and he just calls it Larry's dahlia. You know, so so. But uh, yeah, it uh, it works for me. And I didn't invent it. I it was one of those things. I was doing a little internet research. And I found that, and I thought, well, that seems worthwhile to give a try, uh, uh, easy to start, easy to transplant, and it works great, you know. And then whenever, what I'll do is instead of pulling all that stuff out of the bag, you just take a pair of scissors and cut down all the way around the bag. The bag opens up, you can set it down the soil and just hold that, that uh, root clump in there and just pull the bag out from under it, and it works wonderful. At least it works for me. So that's one of those things to give a try, an easy way to start them, not disturb the root system when you go to transplant them. And like I said, we, we go with all, all uh, containers for our dahlias. And I talked, uh, we've also got uh, 
Oh, I just lost. Oh, uh, uh, peonies, which I still, I still, the part of the country I'm from, everybody says peony, but a lot of other people say peony. So I don't know. It almost hurts my mouth to say peony. So I tend to still say peonies. Uh, that's from the Ozarks. That's Ozark pronunciation. But I was talking to uh, Wayne and Patty Floyd at the Harvest Moon Festival and was asking them about when to cut those back uh, and then get them get them uh, mulched and get them ready for winter. And he said, uh, wait till the first frost. So I'm going to take a look at those. I didn't get out there this morning. I'm going to take a look at those. And we had a pretty good frost, so it might be time, especially working in the good weather, it might be time to get a little uh, mulch on those, get it built up, and uh, get those things ready for winter also. And I've, uh, I bought five tubers, uh, peony tubers from... Uh, Wayne and Patty at Cool Cash. Well, it's been, what, four years ago now, and our plants are thriving. They're just doing absolutely wonderful. So uh, they're good at it. So there again, I like to listen to the folks that know more than I do. And uh, to me, on uh, when you're looking at peonies, peonies uh, Wayne and Patty are the two to, to listen to on that, uh, along with a few other peony growers around here too. So I'll get that going also and see what this frost did to them, if it made a difference to their foliage or not. So anyway, uh, we're, uh, we're moving on. It's, it's, it's bulb planting time. It's winterizing time. And I don't know about you folks, but it's just hard for me. To believe. It doesn't, it just seemed like yesterday that we were, that we were starting our, we were starting our plants. And I don't know, maybe it's just the older I get, but boy, I'll tell you what, it seems like the blink of an eye and it's May 15th. And in the blink of an eye, it's October 1st. So, so that's uh that seems really odd to me. And like I said, maybe it's my age now that's getting me to, <laughs> to feel that way. So, all right, folks, uh, I've uh, I've got uh, I've got a recipe for you coming up after uh, my bottom of the hour break. I got some announcements to make, and uh, we've got uh, we've got some good stuff coming on the Garden Club. Our monthly programs have started again on the second Tuesday of the month, seven o'clock at College Heights Baptist Church. So I'll be talking about some of those here in a bit. Well, to kind of close a little bit on uh, talking about bulbs, I want to go one more time through for Zone 4, fall planted flower bulbs for Zone 4, the alliums, tulips, crocus, glory of the snow, daffodils, daylilies, fritillaria, hyacinth, Siberian iris, bearded iris, snowdrops, Siberian squill, and there's others, but those are some of the ones that, that, uh, that do well up here. Now, there's also spring planted zone four flowering bulbs and there again what we were talking about earlier some dahlia uh, asiatic lilies and glads uh, but there's also uh, see there's a stargazer lily a summer hyacinth the saffron crocus crocosmia ranunculus foxtail lily freesia pineapple lily hardy cyclamen summer cherry daffodil and amaryllis bulbs and uh, like I said, if uh, I need to learn more about flowers, and that's what I plan to do this year and try and get more in the... Uh, now, the one thing I do want to let folks know is if you ordered your bulbs from some of the bulb houses that you can, can get, and there's plenty of them out there, if you haven't ordered them yet, I'm going to be real skeptical that you're going to get them in time for the, for the fall-planted bulbs to get them in the ground in time. I, I don't know. Our, our weather's been a little bit weird uh, so far. We've been unseasonably warm, uh, except for this morning, like I said, the frost. But, you know, last year on September 26th, we had a, now it melted, but we had a pretty good snow, at least Anchorage did on September 26th. So a lot of times we've had uh, snow already. So uh, that's, uh, that's kind of one of those things that, uh, we're, I think we're, I think we're on borrowed time right now as far as getting the snow. Uh, we've had plenty of moisture, that's for sure. So, well, one of the folks, one of the other things I'm doing this afternoon is, uh, hopefully my neighbor kids can come down and we're going to start taking potatoes out of the containers that I grow my potatoes in. Now they have been the 
vines have been cut off the containers for the last two weeks now, so 14 days, and I've had a tarp over them all, doubled up tarp, to let that, that soil dry out and let the skins season a little bit and cure on those potatoes. And I, I'm sure, and, and there again, this is kind of what you like doing. I've done it and I've seen it done a bunch of ways. People, they dig their potatoes and they go ahead and wash them and store them. They've had good luck. You dig your potato, you don't wash them, and you put them in a, a dry, cool spot, and they do fine. You know, I actually stopped off at uh, one of the feed stores yesterday, day before, and bought a couple of burlap bags. And I'm going to put my potatoes in these burlap bags, uh, got the, some of the smaller bags, and then put them in a cool, dry spot in my garage where they'll be in the dark and that uh, that too. So that's uh, I'm going to give that a try this year. So there again, like I said, it's whatever works for you. But that's the way I do it. I let them cure in the ground a little bit, and then uh, we'll hopefully we'll have great fun this afternoon with the kids coming and dumping those uh, dumping those tater bins out and harvesting potatoes. So I've also got a recipe for you folks, uh, and it's going to. Uh, Oh, it's going to take me a minute to read it, if you don't mind. But what I'm also going to do is I've got it. Uh, this this is a salsa recipe that my cousin in Illinois sent me a number of years back. And I don't know where she got it. All I know is that this is the recipe we make our salsa with. And what I'm going to do, I know that by reading this recipe... There's not going to be time for you guys to get a piece of paper and pencil and frantically write things down. So what I'm doing is I, uh, I got this on paper, and I took a picture of it, and I'm going to post it to the Central Peninsula Garden Club Facebook page, where anybody who wants this, it'll all be, uh, it'll be a picture. You'll be able to get this and print it out if you want. But for me personally, this is the best salsa recipe I've ever, ever made, and the neat thing about it too is a lot of what is in this recipe is things that you potentially grew in your garden and that always makes it neat too so anyway real quick and i call this the title of this i call it is the best salsa you'll ever make i'll read the ingredients real real quick and i'll and i'll go through it and like i said it'll be on there so please bear with me on this one a little bit okay seven cups of chopped cord peeled tomatoes if using a food processor there's no real need to peel i don't peel my potatoes a garden product that i grew one and a half cups of chopped onion another product from your garden one and a half cups mild chopped green chili peppers anaheim ancho or even some red and yellow sweet for a milder saucer salsa i grew anaheims and ancho so i used some of those a uh, half cup of jalapenos, finely chopped. Now, this is one of the things where some people do and don't know. If you want your salsa a little milder, cut them in two and take the seeds out. The seeds are what's really hot in a lot of peppers. If you want it spicier, leave, uh, leave the seeds in. Uh, three cloves of minced garlic should come out of your garden. Three-quarter cup of white or apple cider vinegar. One tablespoon chili powder. One teaspoon ground cumin. 2 teaspoons salt, 1 to 2 teaspoons pepper, 1 to 2 teaspoons dry oregano, 1 to 2 teaspoons cayenne powder to taste, and a half to 1 cup of fresh cilantro to taste, which is another thing that you should be growing in your garden. So what do you do with all that? Well, first, and this is a this is a change that I do that my cousin didn't do when she sent me the recipe. I take the p tomatoes and any peppers I'm using I put them in the oven under a broiler to get some roast and some char on them. And I don't peel the black off whenever I, whenever I go to mix them in to make the salsa. I leave the little bit of black char on there because I think it gives them a good, a good uh, taste. But after I roast them, I place them in a colander and let a lot of the water drain from them because you know, you know what, a, what a tomato does. You know when you can in tomatoes, you can jam that jar packed full of tomatoes you can them they float to the top and you've got a layer of water at the bottom of them 
excuse me. So what I do is I put them in a colander and I let them drain, oh, maybe for a couple hours even, and you'd be surprised how much water will come out of those. This will help make your salsa a little thicker. Then I place the tomatoes and the peppers in a stock pot, and I blend them with one of those handheld blenders, and you can even use a potato masher to break them up. You don't want to do too much. You want to be careful because you want some chunks in the salsa. Then you take all the rest of those ingredients, put them in the stock pot, mix them in with those uh, tomatoes and peppers, and uh, get it to boil and stirring for about, oh, stirring often for about 20 minutes, uh, and then uh, place your salsa into cannon jars and water bath. I do pints for 15 minutes and quarts for 20 minutes. So you can do a lot of things with this. You can you can change the taste of it by altering the spiciness of it. You can add more chili powder, more cumin, more more hot peppers until you get it just how you like it before you can it. Uh, you can also alter it by adding corn beans or anything else uh you know i took uh, i took uh, uh one of a uh, one of the jars i made i added some corn to it you know you could uh, uh once you went to can it you could uh, you could probably add some mango you could do whatever you want with it but this basic recipe actually works fantastic and i think it's delicious that's the best salsa i've ever made in my life we gave it to some neighbors again they said good gosh larry this is good now I told you folks before, early on an earlier show, some of the tomatoes I grew, I grew uh, red and orange ox heart. They got huge, and as I said, but they are bland as bland can be. Now, my other tomatoes were good, and, you know, you get that acid taste of tomatoes, that, that good homegrown tomato taste. These, they, they look beautiful, but, boy, they were bland. So I used most of them in this salsa so when i was tasting this as it was cooking i didn't think my salsa had enough acidity in it uh, even though uh, you know you're using three-quarter cup of, of vinegar so i used apple cider vinegar so then what i did is i added about a quarter cup of lime juice and and for me and that's not on this recipe for me, that really gave it that little bit more acidic taste, and it made it taste a lot better. With If I'd have had, I think, better tomatoes besides those ox hearts, I don't think I would have had to do that. But that's what I did. And while I'm talking to you folks, I just now hit the post button on the Central Peninsula Garden Club for that recipe. Like I said, here in the studio, I got it written out. I took a picture of it with my phone, so you can see the exact same thing I just told you, and it is now posted on the Central Peninsula Garden Club Facebook page. And I, if you make it, or if you've got a, a, a great salsa recipe that you like to do, uh, put it in the comments and uh, take, a, take a picture of it and put it in the comments. And uh, we're always, folks are always ready uh, to do that, to get something, to get something good going uh, with uh, produce out of our garden. So that would, that would be pretty cool. Uh, okay, and now I want to get into some of the announcements that we were ta I was talking about earlier. Uh, the Central Peninsula Garden Club, like I said, we've started our monthly programs again. And our next, oh, let's see, our, our next program show, oh, I got I to gotta double check it now because I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, will be on October the 11th. 7 o'clock at College Heights Baptist Church, and we have a lady coming down from Anchorage, a lady named Debbie Hinchy, and she is a horticulturalist, mostly in Anchorage since 1974, a master gardener, and she's got, uh, she had Debbie's horticultural surface, and now she's kind of retired, but she, uh, uh, she is going to talk to us about pruning, and I'm looking forward to that because that's a I don't have any I don't have any fruit trees or anything like that, but that's another one of those things that I'm uh, hoping to learn more about. I've watched a lot of videos on on how to prune trees, and it's uh, it's a little bit of a mystery. I've talked to uh, I have talked to uh, a couple of local tree growers. And uh, it's 
it's one of the things I, I really want to learn a little bit better too. Like I said, my, most of my expertise is growing vegetables, but I'd, I'd love to get a few fruit trees going. And then Debbie's going to talk to us also about, about, uh, grafting, you know, so I don't know if she's going to talk. I would really love to hear about grafting tomatoes. Uh, and I've taken a class on that before, but I'd like to do that again. And many of you folks that you may or may not have done this in the past, but tomatoes, uh, you can graft them from one top to another root system. And what you do is, you know, you can maybe potentially cut it at a 45 degree angle. You, they make these tiny little clips. And what the, 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 the theory behind this is you get the root stock of a cold hardy plant tomato plant that's primarily you know like developed in siberia or even alaska somewhere where the ground is cold and that root system actually is more hardy in that cold soil then you take the top of another plant that might be prolific more prolific with producing fruit but it doesn't like cold weather it doesn't like a cold ground and i'll tell you what i did it and i and i never planted them but i was successful in my grafting technique in my plants living so they make uh, special little clips there's different ways that you can do the grafting on them uh, much like grafting a tree and little tiny clips you put them together and you put that clip on it and hold it sometimes you put a piece of tape around it uh, special tape that that holds them together and the next thing you know your plant is thriving growing uh, they've grown together and you've got a tomato with a hardy root system with a prolific producing top and i you know i was skeptical of this for for many many years but it is true with tomatoes and potatoes being part of the nightshade family you can in fact get tomatoes growing in the ground or potatoes growing in the ground and tomatoes growing on top off the same plant. Now I've never done it and I have thought about giving it a try. I would love next year uh, to get a potato and start it in a small container with one sprout coming off of it, off that seed potato grafting a tomato top to it and see if I can get those to live. And they also do this. They graft plants. They graft different kinds of, oh, uh, squash, uh, winter squash, uh, watermelons, uh, the pumpkins and what have you. They'll, they'll do that too. And that's for the, for the same thing, a, a different root system for the, the uh, fruit producing vines. So that's pretty cool too. Now, one of the things, too, I want to let folks know is going on with such a nice day. You know, we like to do our best to support. Oh, I'm sorry. I got to back up a little bit. I got I wanted to let you know for sure. Uh, Debbie, Debbie Henchy will be the one. She will be here on our next uh, program on October 11th. And uh, we're looking forward to having her down. And if you've never been to one of the garden uh, program shows, you don't have to be a member. They are free and open to the public. We typically have door prizes. We've got snacks. Uh, or College Heights Baptist Church, they're uh, the nice folks that let us have our, our programs there. And and we have, uh, you know, some of the folks we need to thank uh, uh, from like our last show, was Bobby Jackson at Jackson Gardens gave us some gift certificates to Jackson Gardens. Uh, Marsha Kardeski made a bunch of bread as a door prize, and we usually have uh, some uh, documents, oh, documents, some books, some planting books, maybe even some seeds. Uh, so there's almost all there's almost always door prizes. Uh, you can join the club there if you like it, but you don't have to be a member. Like I said, just come on down and uh, sit through the program if you like it. And uh, and if you do want to join up, you can join up. And one of the advantages of joining the club is several vendors in the area for paid-up members of the Garden Club. And our new season started on September 1st. For paid-up members of the Garden Club, some of the local uh, gardening vendors and uh, uh, how uh, uh, 
Oh, golly, isn't that crazy? Man, I tell you what, I can tell I'm getting a little bit older. Feed stores uh, will give us a, uh, give members a 10% discount on their purchases. So, but we want us to do our best to support local agriculture. And one of the things that's going on today at that, as you're coming out of Kenai, going north toward Nikiski, right when you get out of town and the lanes go from two down to one going north to that little strip mall on the right where Maggie's General Store is. Maggie's General Store is having a harvest party today from 11 to 3. And I, when I drove by there, they were setting up. They've got pumpkins. They're getting everything. But anyway, it's a Maggie's uh, Store Harvest Party. I'm going to stop by. They didn't have it set up ready to go when I drove by uh, coming up to the station here. But I'm going to stop by and uh, see what they got there. Might pick up a couple of pumpkins and uh, and see what they've got. So uh, that's something you can do. I know I saw Wayne and Patty Floyd setting up uh, their cool cash tent at the corner of Spur and Bridge Access Road, the Kenai Spur and Bridge Access Road, uh, in the parking lot of the motel there across the street from Arby's. They're set up there. You know, so uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I like to I like to look also to see if, anybody else has anything going on but i but i haven't seen anything yet today of other uh growers that are setting up today you know so you can you can look uh there's so many different sites to look at uh for folks that potentially are setting up somewhere and oh gosh we got uh, the central peninsula farm and garden alaska home garden besides a uh, garden club alaska farm and food uh, Soldatna Seed, Homer High Tunnel Growers. There's all sorts of places to check to see if anybody is setting up, you know, so you can do a search on, uh, on Facebook or go into your, uh, just online and see if anybody is setting up uh, around the community and then let's support, uh, let's support our, our local, uh, our local agriculture. So anyway, I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the recipe. And like I said, I just posted it on the website, Central Peninsula Garden Club. Uh, if you do try it, you know, you can shoot me an email or shoot me something and let me know if you liked it or not uh, or didn't like it. And one of the other things I wanted to mention is I still, uh, and if I could get an email from you, uh, I think that'd be great, but I still want to ask if Aaron, uh, if you guys harvested your one eggplant that you grew. So let me know, shoot me an email and let me know if you're, if you're still letting it grow, if it's in your high tunnel, in your greenhouse, let me know if you harvested that eggplant. I, I think that would be great to know that because you guys were so excited to grow it. And at the Harvest Moon Festival, you hadn't you hadn't harvested it yet. Uh, wanted to let it keep going, so uh, so that'd be cool if you could let me know if you did harvest that or not. So well, we only got about five minutes left, folks. And all I can say is I'm having fun gardening. I can't believe the end of the season is here. I'm cutting beetle kill spruce still. I've taken 53 trees on my property, and I probably have 25 more to go. Uh, it's, it's just a mess. I'm working on my compost pile, getting it ready for next year. The greenhouse is done. Now, well, I do have to give you the update on the corn. My corn is a good eight feet tall or taller. Uh, my question is, is there this cold weather, this frost morning, is, is it going to have time to mature the ears? Now, if you remember, I told you this was popcorn so my popcorn I, I i pulled one of the ears the other day i probably have got 20 ears on these plants each plant has got two to three ears on it they only get about six to eight inches long you know six four to six inches long actually and they're supposed to turn purple you let the plants dry i've stopped watering the plants but the ear that i harvested the other day was still they were white they hadn't turned purple yet and they were soft you know it's like uh, like any corn field corn or anything you've got to let everything dry out before you're ready to harvest so i'm hoping 
there's enough time for these to grow. If it gets really cold coming up, I don't think it's gonna, I'm going to be successful at all with that. But it was worth a try. And one of the other things, as I've, as I've mentioned to folks, uh, I'm already looking at next year. And I'm basing uh, what I'm what I'm saying is some of the things that some other folks grow. I've I've gone to my note thing on my on my phone, and when I think of something, I put a little note in there for next year. So uh, one of the one of the uh, garden tours we went, uh, we went out to uh, Chuck and Levon uh, Lochner's, and he was growing a bean called Fortex Vining Bean. Well, they were beautiful. They, they vined up. He had almost like a, a trellis uh, set up for them. They grew up tall. They were really big beans, and they looked great. So I'm going to set a spot aside in my greenhouse to hopefully get these uh, Fortex beans going. Uh, Marsha, some of our other garden club members, I've never grown before. There's a pea. Uh, that's called Easy Peasy Peas. Well, I've never I've never grown those before. I'm going to give them a try. I've heard so many good things about them that I'm going to give those a try. A corn I'm going to try next year in the greenhouse is called Montauk, M-O-N-T-A-U-K, Montauk corn. It actually only gets to be about, oh gosh, it only gets to be about five, five and a half feet tall, and it actually will produce several ears per stalk and uh, where I have grown my indeterminate tomatoes over the years is where I'm going to grow this corn. I'm actually not going to grow indeterminate tomatoes next year so where I did that I'm going to plant corn this year uh, for the for next year and only grow determinate potatoes. So, uh, so we'll see how that works. Well folks wow the Beatles are on with Octopus's Garden, and that means there's only about two minutes of the show left. So uh, I'll kind of finish up with some of the notes that I told you I was ta- uh, making. Uh, I'm going to grow a potato called Eva, and I've had pretty good luck with my potatoes this year, except for King Edward. My King Edwards, they just didn't germinate. I've planted five containers, and I think only two, two containers germinated well and sprouted well and only one in one of the other containers. So I don't know what happened there. The rest of my potatoes are doing wonderful. Red Norland, Magic Molly, uh, they, they are doing wonderful. But I'm going to try Eva, and then I'm going to try that Rainbow Swiss chard uh, next year. I haven't uh, grown that in a long time, and I don't think I've ever grown that Rainbow Swiss chard, so I'm going to give that a try. So, uh, well, folks, and one other thing I need to let you know is now getting into fall, uh, there's not a whole lot going on in the garden. Uh, I'm going to uh, Growing a Greener Kenai goes to one time a month on the first Saturday of the month, same time, 11, 11 a.m. on KDL 91.9 FM. So uh, I'll be back with two shows a month again in May. Uh, there's just not enough to discuss. There's things we can talk about in the winter and do that. But uh, uh, fear not, there's another show that will be on at 11 o'clock on the other Saturday with me and another friend, uh, David. You've heard him before. So thanks again for listening, folks. Like I said, it's a lot of fun doing this. Uh, This is listener-supported public radio for the Central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. I appreciate you listening, and I'll see you again in a couple weeks on a different show. But other than that, I'll see you on the first Saturday. I hope you enjoy the salsa recipe. Thanks for listening.